Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 28th, 2022. My name is Randy Dolman. I'm a part of the Lifeline uh, Children's Services Advancement Team. And today we're continuing our study on the book of Genesis. We'll be in chapters 41 and 42. And so far, we've covered some really amazing content as we've gone through the book of Genesis. I mean, obviously, we we talked through creation. Um, You know, soon after creation, we we discovered the fall of man. Um, Sin entered the world. Uh, We quickly got to the flood. We learned about Abram. We've seen lots of questionable relationships Uh, throughout all of that. We've seen um, God's promise continues to just carry on through through his creation. Um, we, we, we met Abraham. We learned that he's going to be the father of many nations. Uh, we learned about Jacob and Jacob's sons, and that kind of gets us to where we are today. One of Jacob's sons in particular is Joseph, and we've talked about him the past couple chapters. Uh, last week, we realized you know, he was in prison, and uh, we saw that he had actually interpreted some dreams. And so we're going to pick up um, in 41, 42, but we're going to read the last couple of verses of chapter 40. Um, so again, for, for some context, uh, just want to let you know, Joseph had just interpreted two dreams uh, while in prison. Um, the two men that had dreams were actually people that worked for Pharaoh. Uh, one of them was a baker and the other was um, the, the, the cup the cupbearer, meaning that anything the Pharaoh was going to eat or drink, the cupbearer would always try it first uh, to make sure it was safe, it wasn't going to be poison, things like that. So these are two people very close to the pharaoh, um, but they had obviously crossed them at some point, and they were serving some time in prison. Um, so as we kind of hop in this, I'm excited that these two chapters are really packed with a great story, um, and, and they really talk about God's provision and his power. Um, we won't read all of it. Uh, don't worry, we're not going to read all of both chapters, but we will read a good amount. So follow along with me. And we're going to pick up in Genesis 39 beginning at verse 20. So it says, on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker coming uh, among his servants. Ser- servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So real quick, just to, again, remind you guys, Joseph was in prison. He, re, he told these people what their, two, what their dreams meant. Uh, and one of them, he says, hey, this is a great dream. Uh, this is going to work out well for you, and God will restore you back to your position. And to the other man, he said, I don't have any good news to tell you. You're, you're going to be hanged. And so in Genesis 39, 20 and 23, uh, we see that what happened or what he uh envisioned actually happened. So we see that the cheap cup fair was restored. He was uh, he is now back in the service of the Pharaoh and the baker uh, was hanged. So go on into chapter 40. It says, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile and behold, there came up out of seven, out of, this, out of the Nile, seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in red grass. 
And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep, and he dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after, seven, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent for and called for all the magicians of Egypt and its wise men. Pharaoh told them all his dreams, but there was none who could interpret to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember what my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with the servants and put me into, into the chief, put me and the chief baker into custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night that he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. And there was a young Hebrew man who was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And when we told him, he interpreted our dreams, giving, uh, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted it, so it came about. I was restored to my office and he was hanged. Then Pharaoh called on Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that you can hear what a dream is and interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold. And then he went on to tell his dreams. So I love this because after two years of just sitting and waiting and, and probably not knowing what was going to happen, maybe giving up hope, uh, all of a sudden we see this story change drastically. Um, it's insane to think about how much time has probably passed since the last time he saw the cupbearer. So with, with two years um, in a prison cell or in a dungeon, I can assume that that felt like 20. And um, there's so much that happens whenever we are just sitting and waiting and feel hopeless. And I just can't imagine what all could have been going on through Joseph's head during that time. I think it would have been easy for him to be easily discouraged, um, fearful, uh, hopeless, uh, especially when the cupbearer who he had just saved left that day saying, I won't forget you. So that could have easily been his ticket out. That could have been the way that, that the cupbearer went to the Pharaoh, told him about this man and said, he saved me and he should have gotten a, a get out of jail free card at that time. But that didn't happen. It should have been just its way out, but he instead just sat there and waited for two longer, two years longer. Also, I really like that from one verse to another, we see two years in the Bible fly by like that, um, which I think is a really great reminder of God's sovereignty over time. You know, the Bible says a day is like a thousand years and time is is within his hands. And so just to know that so much can happen or so little can happen over so much time. Um so I think again about Joseph waiting for an answer, waiting to find out what his fate, trying to figure out what to do. And um, he had he's had a rough life. Right. I mean, he's been he's been sold from his family. He's been just uh, outcast all of his life. He's been put in prison um, for no good reason. And he is just there's so many reasons why he could easily be just against God or angry at the moment. Um, he could have easily been just a victim at this time. 
But I think that it was actually during this two years that God could just continue to help him mature and help him grow in his faith. Let's just go ahead and kind of talk about how weird that dream was, right? Um, I don't know if you guys dream a lot. Uh, I feel like I used to as a kid and I don't dream too much anymore. But um, I can remember as a kid, just full transparency on how weird this is. I used to have a dream and it was recurring. And I can remember, this is probably when I was like seven, um, I would go to sleep and and a dream that happened over and over is I would wake up and and I heard something and uh, I would always wonder what was going on. And I would walk into our kitchen and I saw a man kind of like standing behind the corner and I I'd turn around and it was always I would look, you know, fearful. And the guy would turn around and he would like hold his hands up like this. And it was always my papa, my grandfather. It was weird. But instead of being scary, he would hug me or something. It was odd, but I woke up every time that would happen, just weirded out. And uh, I, I just had to think about how dreams are just so weird. Um, so this dream that Pharaoh had was obviously an odd one. Um, we had seven healthy cows that, that came up. They were plump. They were big. They were full, of, perfect for eating. And then we had the seven measly cows come out. And what he saw was just the two, you know, the, the measly ones devour the healthy ones. Um, I love that it was so disturbing and so odd that Pharaoh went um, went out to call upon people to say, what does this mean? Um, he called on the magicians, the astrologists, the tarot readers, whatever it is. He called on people that he thought could help make sense of this thing. And there was none who could interpret the dream to Pharaoh, the Bible says. Around this time, uh, the cupbearer for the Pharaoh was watching all this go down, and that's when it kind of clicks. And he remembers not only his promise that he had made to Joseph, but he remembers the, the skill set that Joseph brings. Uh, here comes the guy whose life was spared because of Joseph's uh, interpretation of the dream. And uh, so he comes up to the Pharaoh and he says, hey, I know a guy. Uh, two years later, he thinks about it, um, which... I think is a really good sign of God's timing. Um, so here's a good time to just kind of hit pause for a second. If you're like me, you probably found yourself just feeling imprisoned, feeling just like you're waiting on something that you don't know is ever going to happen. I mean, this guy sat in a cell for two years at least while he waited to find out his fate. Um, I think it's easy for us to, to sit and say, you know, God, where are you in this time? You know, what what are you doing? Why am I still here? Um, where is my hope? What, what are you up to? Um, I think it's a good reminder for us that God is at work at all times. God is at work in all circumstances. Um, even through this two-year just hiatus, like God was moving and preparing and working and, and getting things ready for what's about to happen. Um, it's good for you and I to remember that. Um, Sometimes it feels like you're just doing the same thing day in and day out, or you just aren't making any headway. Um, if you are in Christ, if you are, are serving God, just know that there's not wasted time. There's not a time that God sits back on the job and isn't moving things around and working on your behalf, um, which is a good reminder for me. So after two years of waiting, sitting, and not moving, I mean, just being in the cell, all of a sudden we see things start to escalate and just move in hyperspeed for Joseph now. Now that the Pharaoh has heard about Joseph and knows what he can do, uh, he, he makes things happen. And so the Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Um, they moved quickly, it says. 
Um, if you know anything about prison or prison ministry, you know that nothing in prison moves quickly. Uh, no one really does much of anything uh, with with to, to expedite things. Um, and I would assume it was probably similar then. Um, so it says that Pharaoh called for it and they moved quickly to make it happen. So they get him out of his prison wardrobe. They give him a shower, a shave, make sure he can be fully presentable for Pharaoh. I'm sure it was nice to, to clean up, to have new clothes, and to go and stand before the most powerful person in Egypt. Um, it's a really good reminder, again, that, that God will move in his own time, and he will also make things go fast when they need to go fast, and he'll keep things slow when they need to go slow. Um, God made all these people take action. Uh, to, to see this plan come through. Um, God has the power to expedite the situations we're in. Um, I love that we can be reminded about that and, and know that at any point God can, can make things happen. And um, it's, it's good to know that he's doing that under his will. So <clears throat> Joseph is now there. He's dressed. He's presentable. He's standing in front of the, uh, in front of the Pharaoh. And this was really his chance where he could use his gifts and make the Pharaoh know how um, important Joseph could be to the kingdom. Um, this would have been a really great opportunity for him not to say a word about God and instead just use his gift and take the accolade, take the, take the prestige, take the fame that was going to come with that. Um, I think really at this point, he was probably just weighing out of prison. He probably just wanted a, a release. And so he could have easily given this interpretation and said, you are welcome. That was all me. And I would like to not go back to jail. But instead, we see that um, Joseph was very open about how and why he could do these things. Um, so Pharaoh, he, 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 he asked, um, you know, can I tell you this dream? Can you interpret this dream? And Joseph says, uh, it's not me who does the interpretation. It's the God. It's God who can tell me what this means. So Joseph, instead of taking all the credit, instead of uh, taking this on himself, he was quick to, to remind the Pharaoh that anything that comes of this is God's will. Anything that I say is what God is saying to you. And so um, he goes about uh, to tell Joseph this crazy dream. This time he even adds a few more details. He's even more just detailed about how crazy this dream was and, and how much it impacted him, how much it made him fearful and, and curious, and he didn't know what to do with it. And Joseph's response um, is pretty easy. It's pretty, you can't mistake it. He says, hey, both these dreams you just had are one, meaning that they both are meaning the exact same thing. God is using them to reveal to Pharaoh about what he is soon to do. Um, and so he said, these dreams mean that we're, we're going to experience seven years of abundance, seven years of plenty. It'll be a, a great time in Egypt. Uh, we'll have plenty of food, plenty of resources. This will be a good seven years. But immediately following that seven years, you know, he reminded Pharaoh that, that seven years of famine will come. And this isn't just a, a drought of food resources. It's not just a, a dip in our supply. This is a severe famine that will hit the entire land of Egypt. Um, so seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. And because God allowed Pharaoh to have two dreams that said the same thing, what, what Joseph said is that because he had these two dreams that meant the same thing, that it meant God's will is in effect. It meant that this is definitely happening. There's nothing we can do about it. 
And so um, he said all that. He said, this is a certainty and all of this is imminent. And then this is how Pharaoh responds. Um, Joseph gives a little bit more information on kind of what to do. And then this is what happens. So we're going to pick up in uh, verse 33, of chapter 41. Let's see, let me show you. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. This is his advice on what to do based on that dream. And set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers of the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land during the seven plentiful years. And let him gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities. And let them keep it. That food should be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the Lord may not perish, uh, so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this? And whom is the Spirit of God? And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all of my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne, I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put on a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he sent him over the, all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one should lift a hand or a foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Saphanath Paneah, and he gave him in marriage Asenath, um, which is kind of cool. His, he, he got a bride. His bride's name is Asenath. His new name is Zapanath. That's cute, guys. That's cute. Um, also, side note, if you don't know me, my name is Randy and my wife's name is Brandy, which is also cute. Um, not quite as cute as, you know, Randy and Brady, but Zapanath and Asenath is pretty great. Um, so anyway, he, he gave them a, a bride. He gave them his, his power. He gave them, uh, you know, uh, he adorned them with rings and necklaces and jewelry and everything to set them apart from the commoners. He... His life just took the most drastic 180 I can think of. Um, and then it ends with saying, so Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. I mean, so this is probably the biggest plot twist we've seen in, a lot, in quite a few chapters. And we see that it wasn't even on the radar for Joseph. Joseph wasn't scheming to try to make this happen. Joseph wasn't sit, spending two years in the dungeon trying to say, this is how I'm going to rule Egypt. Instead, he was just continually faithful. He was open and honest about where his faith lied and where his power came from. And he just continued to, to offer his service to the Lord. Um, he was probably really just hoping to be released. But instead, he was given the number two position in all of Egypt, um, given new bling, given a new name, given a new wife and a new opportunity to lead the entire nation. So by this point, for you, for me, I think it's probably good to like pause for a second and just notice and remember a couple things have happened. Our faith in God's plan will sustain us as we wait, whether we're waiting for other people, whether we're waiting on God to open doors, whether we're waiting literally it's feeling like we're in a dungeon. 
the faith that we have in God, it should be a sustaining faith. It should be what gets us through the hard days until we get to the good days. Um, we see that Joseph had that faith and he just continued to, to mature in it through, through the days. Um, I think it's good to notice that our obedience has impact. I mean, Joseph didn't, Joseph didn't go and, uh, and say these things lightly. Joseph knew that what he was about to share with Pharaoh would have some kind of effect. It could have been good or bad. Pharaoh could have received this from the Lord and, and taken positive action on it. It could have also turned out bad for Joseph. Pharaoh might not have wanted to hear this, but his obedience he knew was going to lead to something. It's the same for us. Um, even, even the monotonous things that we know we're, we're choosing to be obedient and just know that the little things we do um, have so much impact, not, uh, not only on, on how God uses it, but how other people receive it. Um, another good thing to realize and remember is that our faith has influence. Um, because of Joseph's faith, because of what he was doing in prison, it had influence outside of the walls, so much so that the cupbearer remembered what had happened and came back to bring him to Pharaoh. Um, the, your faith, it, it, it rubs off on people. People see it. Our, our, our hope that hopefully is unique, it should be distinguishable to a world that, that is looking for it. So our faith sustains us. Our obedience has impact. Our faith can influence other people. And then the last thing maybe in this little section is that God is in the business of changing our situation. That's what God does. Um, God is continually taking us from where we were to where he wants us. And we see it really big here. I mean, this is one of those like amazing times of, of God completely shifting the status and the situation of somebody. Um, I love stories like this. Like, I mean, this guy was the, uh, he was, you know, just outcasted. He was the, um, the, the guy that no one really looked to for anything for most of his life. And by the time he turned 30, he finds himself in prison, just not really knowing what's going on. And we see that God went through great lengths to prepare him to now be the number two person in Egypt, which is pretty cool. It's a, it's a great underdog story for sure. Um, so over the next seven years, Joseph is now in power. Um, he is the number two person. He has been given authority of saying that no one can even lift a finger or hand without you being the approver. Um, and he's kind of overseeing this whole 14-year project that's going down. He says, for the next seven years, I'm going to oversee that we take 20% of everyone's uh, food and produce and we store it away. So he's overseeing and administering all that. And then he's also reminding people of what they're doing it for. Hey, we're saving this because we're going to need this later. And he's doing a really great job at it. Um, he just continues to oversee the project and rule the land. Um, he's ensuring all the proper measures are taken. He's he's making sure that no one is is bypassing the process. And he's he's just uh, it, it just you just get the feeling that he's just being very faithful. Um, I don't know Chris Leist that well, but I can imagine in my head a Chris Leist guy that is just so detailed and making sure that everything goes where it's supposed to go. Um, Chris, you seem like that guy, and I, I like that. Um, so that's what's going on for the seven years. Uh, he is just making sure that things run correctly. Um, he ensures uh, everything is being done. And the Bible says really quickly and just kind of in the middle of this section that he and his wife now have two children, um, Manessa and Ephraim. Both of those, he named them, he gave them those names, and both of their names mean uh, 
essentially that God pulled me out of a bad time. Um, so he, he named his children to signify that. Um, we read on a little bit further in, uh, in the chapter, and we learned that the famine did indeed come. So they had their seven years of abundance, and then immediately seven, uh, after the seventh year, famine hit the land. It was a real thing. It was something that really happened. It was something that was throughout the land of Egypt, um, which is, is good to know that, I mean, good and bad things are, do happen, are allowed by God, and have purpose and significance. And we see a little bit more of what this famine meant for the land of Egypt as we read on. Um, the good thing about it is that Egypt was beyond prepared for this. The measures that they had taken to save the 20% and to, to put food aside, everything worked how it should. So as we read, we learned that people had what they needed. There wasn't, there wasn't a, uh, a, a need or a despair. Um, they would simply just go and get food from which they had saved. Um, they had so much that there was even an excess, and they opened, uh, they opened up the nation so that other people could come to Egypt and get food as well because the famine was widespread. So God used... Again, it's good to remember that God used this series of just like unfortunate events uh, to protect and prepare Joseph, whose faith would then get him a, a spot and, and a moment in power, um, and then whose ingenuity and just kind of faithfulness to oversee what God has called him to do. It would not only help Egypt through the seven years of famine, but it actually made them the richest nation in the world because all these other countries were coming there and buying food. So not only did Egypt have the food they needed, but now they all of a sudden had the money and resources of the other nations because of their position. So God took something that was a horrible situation in that this guy had just been imprisoned for multiple years, and he used somebody seemingly insignificant to do probably one of the biggest things ever to happen in Egypt and to, to preserve all the people. Um, are you all good? Are we good? It's a lot. Um, so that basically takes us through the end of chapter 41. I mean, this was an incredible chapter that that really did not only restore the life um, of, of Joseph, but it it set and and it put him in a, a totally different spot. Um, he's now no longer enslaved and imprisoned, but he is now over all of Egypt, which uh, and he's he has a special spot with the Pharaoh which gives him influence, which gives him opportunity to share, which gives him a close relationship. Um, I think it's really cool to, to also just be reminded that, you know, Joseph didn't take all this power and let it go to his head from what we can tell. We don't see where he took the blessings that he was given and it turned him into a tyrant or on a power trip or more holy than anyone else. In fact, it just seems like he continued to be a faithful, um, diligent leader. Um, and we see where he did he did not like get a big head or 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 really kind of pride himself on any of this, which is good and rare. Uh, and um, I just think about stopping for a second, like, where are you? in this story, right? I mean, I've never been number two in charge. I've never overseen a nation. I've also never really been imprisoned, but I can think and relate so much to either of those sides where it felt like nothing was going to go right. It felt like no answer was coming. And then there's been a few times in my life where it felt like things were just tracking and I got to see and execute a plan that I, that I could see working. 
And I can tell you that wherever you are in that spectrum, that God is still very much working and using and allowing for your situation. Um, so I love that in one chapter we saw where he was faithful with nothing and faithful with everything. And God was honored through that. Um, chapter 42 was also assigned to me. And, and I, I'm not getting out of this, but I'm definitely going to give you a kind of a cliff notes version of it because chapter 42 is like the first part of a longer story that goes for a few more chapters. Um, this is really where uh, the, it's the beginning of a multi-chapter kind of experience between Joseph and his family. Um, remember a few chapters ago, um, his family, his brothers kind of sold him off. Um, they went back to their father and they said he is dead. Um, and so they've lived, I mean, he's now 30, 37-ish, probably a little bit older, and they've lived most of their life uh, thinking he was dead, or at least the father has. So um, I won't give any spoilers. I won't say anything too much about what happens over the next two chap couple chapters, if you don't know. But um, just letting you know, we'll probably leave today with a Old Testament cliffhanger. Um, so as word gets out about Egypt having food, we kind of go back in that story. All these nations are desperate and they're hungry and they're in the midst of a famine. And so they're, they're beginning to send people to Egypt to, to collect food for their families and for their countries. Um, so we go back to Jacob and um, Jacob tells the rest of, of the brothers that they need to, um, to go to Egypt and collect food. Um, I like that he sends 10 brothers, which meaning like this is a big family, guys. So uh, there's 10 there. There's also Joseph. That would be 11. And then there's a younger brother. Uh, that we learn a little bit more about later. So 12 kids, it's a big family. Um, and uh, in my mind, I'm just picturing like the Duggars walking through the wilderness, going to pick up some food, right? So the brothers, they, they, show, up to, uh, they show up to Egypt. Of course, since, um, since they have to go and talk to Joseph, since he's running the project and he is in charge, they approach Joseph about buying food. Um, Joseph is obviously... Uh, the guy that they need to talk to. And so Joseph sees them, he recognizes them, and yet he pretends to not know them. Um, he keeps everything very kind of just short, kind of a matter of fact. And, you know, so he's sitting back and he's talking to his brothers and, and he, I think he's trying to just get more information out of them. And so they approach him and they say, sir, we came for food. Um, what can we do? We brought money. And he, he, um, he actually accuses them of being spies. And I, I didn't really know why he's doing that, what he's trying to get out of that. Um, but he puts them on the defense. Um, and so he goes on and Joseph makes a couple of deals with him. Uh, he, he says, hey, listen, I will give you guys food if you can go back and bring the, the other brother that you didn't bring with you. He said, I know you have another brother at home. Can you bring him here and I will give you food? And he said, in order to do that, um, one of you can go back to your land and I'll keep the other nine here. Um, and we see that, that that was the plan moving forward. And he, so he puts the other nine in, in a prison cell. And we see a few days later, he, he goes back and he says, hey, actually, I'll, I'll let eight of you go so that y'all can all work together and bring him back. I'll just keep one here. So there's this kind of moment, this timeline of, of just dealing and, 
and, and working with them to say, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll give you food. I'll send this to your family. I would just really like if you could bring your brother back. That's a condition. So he sent, uh, he sends them home. And in verses 20 and 21, 22, we see the brothers really kind of wondering why, why is he doing this? What is God up to? Why are we having to endure this? And they begin having a regret and kind of just that they feel bad for what they did to their brother. That that's the only thing they can think of. They say, well, this is probably payback for all the times that or for the for the time that we, you know, we we just completely uh, gave our brother away. We left him for dead. We we pushed him away. This must be our payback. This is what we get. This is our punishment. Um, and they say this must be the reckoning for his blood. Joseph actually heard them all talking. He heard, he overheard that. And we see that Joseph kind of retreated and he cried because he, he knew that they were beginning to, to really understand the impact of their situation. So Joseph had made a kind of a bold deal with them to do this. It, it could have been kind of a, um, a power move. But then he heard that they actually were regretful, that they were somewhat repentant, that they knew that what they did was having an effect. And so we see that Joseph pulled back and he cried and he had compassion on them. So he sent them back with grain in their bags. And one thing we see here is that he did not take their money. So by the time they all got back home with all of their food and grain, they would open their bags and they saw that they also had the money that they brought with them to purchase. Um, they get home, they realize they have the money and they are worried because they, they don't know if this is a trick. They don't know if this is something that, um, you know, the, they, he could have planted so that they get caught for They didn't really know what all was going on and it, it really alarmed them and it alarmed the, uh, their father. And so father, he, uh, Jacob, he hears this story. He hears that all the Pharaoh wants is for them to send the youngest son, Benjamin, to go and see the Pharaoh. And at that point, he'll release everyone and, and continue to take care of them for life. And it, the father doesn't buy it. The father is just saying, well, I don't want to send my youngest son. He's too young. He, it's too dangerous. You guys have already lost your older brother and you've already allowed your, the other brother to die. So the father is just super skeptical at the moment. Um, that's kind of how 42 ends. It kind of ends in this like, what are we doing? Uh, moment where we don't know if the father is going, going to agree to this. Um, the father and one of the older sons are sitting there trying to, to negotiate. And the son says, hey, trust us. We can do this. Just let us take ben, you know, let us take Benjamin and let us go there. And the father continues to say no. And that's that's where 42 ends. So 43 and beyond bring a lot more answers to kind of what happened to that. But um, we will cover those uh, next week. Um, so I know that's a whole lot of information and I know we covered a lot of scripture in those two chapters, but, um, I just wanted to, to just again, point out like how relatable I think, um, Joseph is, uh, how, how awesome this story is and how much I can kind of just like identify and see a lot of us in Joseph, um, especially at Lifeline, it's it's so cool to work around um, people of faith and to just see faithfulness just happen every day within our team. Um, you know, I think about uh, 
a lot of the pregnancy workers that are that are walking through hard times with women or a lot of our caseworkers who are just plowing through you know the the difficulties and the, the stressors of what of what our families experience and i think about all just everyone on our team who is continually just faithfully moving forward um, and it reminds me a lot of, of, of Joseph, just on days when it feels like it, it's not working or it feels like progress is, is just slower than it can be, like you continue to move forward. And that's what God calls us to do is just to be faithful and to just continue to, to serve and, and obey. And then on days whenever things are, are working and we, we see things happening and we see files approved and we see, uh, you know, um, cases process and we see moms make the right choice uh we still continue to be faithful and and not take any of the credit on our own but continue to move forward and follow and, and praise god through that so i love this story i would really love to just ruin it and just go a few more chapters and tell you more of what happened but i will let someone else do that thanks for joining us for the defender bible study this week we are praying for the country of macedonia Join us in praying for the Ministry of Labor and Social Policy, which is the central authority of adoption for the country. Please pray for our contact there, whose name is Monica. She has been very helpful in answering questions for us along the way. Pray for Sasha as he and Monica worked closely together to determine the best next steps within Macedonia at this time. Pray that we would have more families called to adopt sibling groups and children with significant needs from the country. We are working on continuing to deepen our relationships with the central authority, and we could see this being a good fit for families open to sibling groups, broader age ranges, and special needs. Please pray as we navigate adoption options from Macedonia. Pray that we will continue to build strong relationships and rapport with the central authority. Also, pray that the Lord would send us contacts and connections for us to possibly make connections for unadopted opportunities as well. Continue to pray for our Lifeline team as they navigate these new opportunities here for international adoption. Pray for Jana and Jackie, Brianna, Brooke, and Sasha. Father, we lift up the country of Macedonia to you. Lord, we thank you for its um, its people, its culture, its uh, its willingness to to work with us to allow us to. Just step in and do ministry, God, to bring gospel hope to the people in Macedonia. Lord, we lift these prayer requests up to you. God, we do ask that you would continue to not only uh, provide connections and resources and ideas, but God, that you would also just allow for uh, doors to open so that we can deepen our ministry and our uh, services there in the country. God, we lift up Monica to you. We thank you that she is a um, not only a valuable asset, but just such a, a a kind and helpful person to the ministry of Lifeline. Lord, I pray for continued favor and, and that you would just uh, continue to work within that relationship. Lord, we pray for Sasha as he and Monica work closely together to determine what we do next. God, I pray for discernment and for um, just continued uh, provision for Sasha. God, we ask that you would continue to show us the specific needs that we can step into and help bring hope to to people there. God, just show us where ministry is needed the most and where we can fill it uh, in ways that give you glory and and provide um, just tangible assistance and forever hope to these people. 
God, as we just continue to deepen these relationships with the with the government and with the authority there, Lord, I pray that we would just find more ways that we can be a good fit and more ways that we can step into um, this culture and serve. God, not only serve the children there, but also find ways to pour into the communities there through our unadopted program. God, I pray that you would just continue to to give us inspiration, Lord, to show us the need and to uh, provide us with opportunities that we can fill that. God, again, we just thank you so much for the work that we get to do. God, and thank you for our special workers that are on the ground and overseeing and facilitating this work. God, today especially, we would love to pray for Jana and for Jackie and Brianna and Brooke and Sasha, all of which have just such a role in the ministry that we do in country. God, we thank you for um, the privilege of serving you. Lord, I pray that we are continually looking for opportunities and ways to do it well. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. 